Welcome into the Wednesday Bible Study. We are excited that you've joined us. Uh, we're coming to you from the Rick and Bubba Studios. Uh, we have been meeting uh, as a group of men as far as in the room for, um, uh, we're getting close to 10 years that we've been doing this. So um, uh, we welcome you. I know a lot of you, because of our topic, uh, are new, not, not just in the room, but also watching um, uh, around the world. Uh, there is something that really draws us to any study about the Revelation, and we understand that. And and we have been praying and uh, for God's guidance on the right time to do it. Uh, last year, if you want to go back and check some of our archives, we walked through the entire book of Genesis. Uh, as we discussed, we thought if we were going to prepare to study the end, we needed to be well acquainted with the beginning. Uh, so we spent one full year. This study will probably last if not a full year, close to a year as well. Uh, so if you want to go back and get old archives as we move through this series or just things in our past, we've got a number of series that we've done, you can find those uh, two places. One, BurgessMinistries.com. By clicking on Listen, you'll see the men's Bible study there. I know there's men and women that watch this. Uh, you can go and find archives of all the studies that we've done, audio only. If you want a video archive, uh, like you've set up, a, you know, something you want to see as a small group or something like that. Uh, just go to the Rick and Bubba YouTube channel and look at Men's Bible Study, and you can see those archives as well. Uh, it is brought to you by themanchurch.com. We are a men's discipleship strategy resource um, uh, that was put together and kicked off in 2020. Uh, we are now heading into year three uh, of themanchurch.com. A couple of things I want you to know: our first ever conference. Is coming to Oxford, Alabama. That's my hometown, uh, February 24th and 25th. We are less than 100 tickets left. So if you don't have a ticket to that or your group wants to come, don't get the mindset that you're just going to get tickets at the door because that's probably not going to happen. Uh, it's going to sell out, uh, and we're very, very close, less than 100 tickets uh, for the room. They're all reserved. They're great tickets, and we'll have speakers uh, and our teachers that will be teaching. I'll be teaching. Andy Blanks will be teaching. Rich Wingo will be teaching. Uh, we do have a guest speaker, uh, Recap Gray, that is a pastor out of Orlando, Florida. He'll be joining us. Uh, Chuck Hooten will be doing worship. We also, if you're in leadership, we you'll, you'll get an email eventually uh, from our venue that ask you if you want to come to our breakfast we'll have on Saturday, uh, and that's available for us to kind of do some Q&A. You can ask what we do, how we do it. Uh, all of our curriculum will be available to you. We do provide 40-week curriculum. Our fourth one is coming out this year. We also have a new 31-day uh, devotional coming out this year called Transformed, and also another book that will come out before the year is done from Andy Blanks, and I'll keep you updated on that as well. So speaking of the strategy, it features also many Men getting together for services. They're designed just for the men of the church, and we've got some of those coming up this week. Uh, I'll be in Athens, Alabama this Sunday. If you are listening to this or watching this Bible study live on January the 4th, this Sunday, I'll be at Friendship Church in Athens, uh, Alabama. This is They're going through the strategy. This is their next gathering. Uh, coming up on the 19th of January, Andrew Varvudas of our team will be at First Baptist Opelika there in year four of the strategy, uh, and this is their next gathering. And then Blake Prime will be at First Baptist Church Greenville uh, in Greenville, Mississippi, coming up on the 28th of January. And uh, Jordy Henson will be at First Baptist Church in Crestview, Florida, on the 28th of January as well. Uh, so make those notes, uh, and that's what's coming up this month. If you want to find out where there's a man church near you, just go to themanchurch.com, click on events, and it'll say click here 
for a man church near you, and you can find them. And you can either plug into the strategy through one of our services, or you can plug into the strategy through one of our small groups that are going on all over the country and even around the world. So let's open up in a word of prayer, and let's dive into session one of the Revelation. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for the men that have uh, made it a priority to be in the room, and, and thank you for those men and women uh, that are listening and, and watching either live or on archive um, all over the world. Uh, Lord, there, there is sometimes an unhealthy intrigue into the Revelation. Uh, will you correct us, Lord, as we jump in? Will you, will you help us to, to, to be focused and have the right pursuit of wanting to know all that we can possibly know about this Revelation? Uh, but Lord, I, I pray that um, with it, with some of it that it can be difficult. Uh, I'm not uh, capable of unpacking uh, the depth of something like this, but through Your Holy Spirit, uh, I pray that You'll help me uh, as as we walk through this to to glean from it exactly what You intended, and to maybe correct ourselves on things that were never intended uh, by the revelation. Uh, Lord, I pray for those that are that are uh, ready to dive in. Help us, Lord. Uh, In your name we pray, amen. So here we go. Uh, So session one. Now we will walk through the Revelation very slowly. Uh, I know a lot of the men that are veterans in here, uh, you're accustomed to us cranking out a chapter a week, and we're not going to do that. I mean, it it might happen, probably not. Today we're going to go through eight verses Um, because uh, this requires a slow walk. Um, I I do want to kind of challenge us a little bit to, to really be praying through this, I think sometimes there is an unhealthy intrigue with the revelation that I don't think is positive. And, and I've already seen it uh, the minute this was brought up. I mean, people who never even remotely cared about this Bible study, suddenly they're in. And, uh, and, and there's certain, it's, it's mysterious, and it's, uh, it's almost like it's Christian uh, sci-fi or, or something like that. I want, you to, I want you to remove all that. I think there's also um, an attitude of because of our fallen flesh. Uh, I want to know as much as I can know about the end, so I can try to get my act together right before it happens. Uh, I think that's unhealthy if that if that's your approach. Because the odds are you're probably going to die, uh, and you're going to face Jesus then too. It won't really matter when they rebuild the temple in Israel um, because because you're going to face him when you die. So I, I would I would be prepared, and you're going to hear uh, John being told by God to tell us this. I'd be prepared to meet him today, uh, because you can figure all this out. And if you hadn't repented of your sin and you haven't left faith in yourself and put your faith in Jesus, you're going to hell. And and I would make that probably my most important priority to be sure I'm right with God, uh, regardless of whether you understand the revelation or not. So and and it is the revelation. I, I I remember as a cultural Christian, I called it revelations. There there's not multiple revelations. There's one revelation, and this is it, and this is the final revelation. Uh, there's nothing to add to this, and and we'll be told that clearly by God. So let's uh, let, let's let's go into this, and you're going to see if you want to get your attitude, and I want to get my attitude right about the revelation. This first session, you have to get. You have to get this right. Uh, if, if you don't get this right, you're going to be on the wrong track. Okay? So, so let, let's jump into that. First of all, the revelation, most all uh, you know, commentators and theologians, uh, they all agree uh, it was written somewhere around A.D. 95, 96 at the latest. 
uh, we, we, the revelation is given to John because he's all that's left. Uh, everybody else has been martyred. Uh, and, and so it, it, for, for God to get this revelation uh, to any of the original 12, John's the only one available. Uh, so that that's that. This also the the Roman Emperor uh, Domitian has just taken over, uh, and now what he demanded, no surprise here, when he took over, he demanded that all public worship be rendered to him, and he should be recognized as Lord and God. So keep in mind what's going on. This is this is like you know when Peter was writing to the church when Nero was persecuting the church. This is like the second big persecution of the church, and this is the latest Roman emperor who says, don't like the church, don't want anybody worshiping anybody but me. As a matter of fact, I know we've tried to kill John. Uh, we have not been successful. God's protecting John, but I he's out. I'm, I've kicked him off to Patmos, uh, and, uh, and so I don't have to deal with him, uh, and I'm going to eradicate this church because I don't want anything. And this is the thing that we do need to pay attention to, if you want to be look at the prophetic part of this, that what we need to learn, if you want to know throughout time the reason why every single tyrannical government, every single one, goes after the church eventually, it's because of this. Because they know that followers of Christ, if they find out enough about us, they know that deep down and publicly, if we're pushed, unless you, you know, are a coward, is that we will declare that there is only one Lord and there is only one God, and ultimately we recognize him as the ultimate authority. We don't recognize any earthly government. Are we to be good citizens? Yes. If they ask us to blaspheme God, we draw a line. If they say we worship them or we cannot declare anything above them, then, of course, we've been taught throughout Scripture we don't do that. Uh, so they know that, and so deep down, if I want to be Lord and God, and I know that you want to acknowledge me as Lord and God, i got to come get you. You look back at all the tyrannical governments, they'll even start out like they're not going to bother the church, but eventually they do because they can't have a group of people that have not declared allegiance totally to them. And that's why the church gets persecuted. And I will tell you, for those of you in the United States of America, which is 90% of this audience, uh, if not 95, we've never experienced this in our lifetime, but it's, it's, it's close and it's coming. And we've seen these, the, you can just see the little inklings of it against the church. And unfortunately, a lot of times the church will adapt to what the, uh, uh, the government wants, as opposed to saying, we don't mean trouble, but there are certain areas that we will not portray God. So know that's going on. So any Christians who disobeyed this um, mandate from uh, Domitian, uh, they would be killed, or like John, because they couldn't kill him, uh, they tried and they couldn't. They sent him to Patmos. Now he's going to get this uh, this this revelation from God Himself, and and this that here here's here's the things you got to get right, and I got to get right. The revelation was God's answer to this reign of terror, and what God ultimately wanted us to know, no matter how bad it may seem. No matter how tyrannical earthly governments and nations may be, understand and never lose hope that I and I alone have never left my throne. So you have peace. And do not fear this persecution because I haven't moved. 
and it's to reassure his church. That's, that, that's really, and what is the revelation? The revelation is ultimately the revelation of Jesus Christ, and we're going to get that right out of Scripture, right out of the gate. And I don't know why we miss that so much. Is it a book of prophecy? Yeah. Yeah, but, but it's, it, the main thing here is to remind us <laughs> baby Jesus is over. Jesus on the cross is over. Okay, he, is, he has returned to glory. He has returned to his proper place, so stop pretend, acting as if I'm still in the manger or that I'm still on the cross, because I'm not. And I'm coming for my church. And I am the Lord of lords, and I am the King of kings, and I am in all my glory. That's what we have to take away from the revelation. It is not a revelation of John. John is nothing but a scribe, and all he's doing is writing down what God told him to write down. So John's a scribe. That's all he is in this. It is the revelation of Jesus Christ. What does revelation mean? In Greek, it means apocalypse. What is, what's apocalypse? What is, what's apocalypse mean? It means to unveil. He said, I've got some things that I'm going to unveil. I'm going to show you. Uh, so I'll, I'll be removing the veil. On, on, and, and, and so what is he removing the veil to show us? Well, John is, 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 is the scribe, and, and like I say, he's been banished to the island of Patmos. This is, now remember, John, because everybody's been killed, John is now, or he was before they put him uh, out on Patmos, he was the, the, the pastor of the church at Ephesus. But he's now been captured and removed, and so he, they've moved him across uh, the water, uh, directly across from the city of Ephesus. That's where he is. And so they want him out of here, hoping he'll just die out on this island. And, uh, and so what Jesus is showing John is he's showing him things and events that will precede and accompany his return to earth. Okay? So this now has been given to the Son by the Father. That's important to note. These are, I hope you all bring stuff to write with. This is important. Remember when uh, the, one of the things is Mark 13 talks about this in 1 through 31. I'd write that down. And, and there's other, another docu, uh, documentation of this too. Do you remember when they were asking Jesus, hey, when, when's all this going to take place? So, so when, when, when will you return? When, when will you come back as the mighty uh, Messiah that we thought we were getting to begin with before you, you did the baby thing and you're going to the cross? So when will you come back? As, as When is that going to happen? And what did Jesus say? He said, no, I, I, nobody knows the day. Nobody knows the hour. Only the Father knows. Even I don't know while I'm in this state, which means when he was 100% man and 100% God. But now that's over. He knows now. He now knows because because the Father has now told the Son, and now the Son is 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 trying to to say, "Look, I have ascended. I now know all the information y'all were asking me about when I had lowered myself and taken on human form. I, I had of my own free will. I I had taken shrouded some of my glory. That's over. I'm fully glorified again." And I know all the things that y'all asked me about, and so I'm now going to give you the revelation of some of the things y'all are asking me. Because it is coming from Jesus to John. Now, there, there, there's no doubt 
that Jesus wants John to know this. Why? So his church will know this. He wants us to know this. He wants us to be aware of the times in which we live. The writer of Hebrews tells us that. Quit living as the unwise. You know, they, 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 you need to understand the days are evil in the time that you're living in. You need to know what's going on. And so this, of course, w- was part of that for the church to understand and be prepared. Uh, it, it is a book of, of signs and symbols. Now, there, there are, there's some symbolism here, but, but let me tell you what, what, what is great about symbols and the reason why Jesus used them when he was teaching and now the Revelation uses them as well. Even in our own language, most everybody I know in this room I think speaks English, you know, there are some, some English phrases that we use that the meanings change over time. You know, that's the reason why, and I know it upsets some people, and of course if you get upset you can email Speedy, but, but the English translations that were later than the King James versions in many cases are actually more accurate because phrases change. Uh, things that mean something in English at one period of time mean something different at another period of time. Well, that's the reason why you see so many symbols. Symbols don't change. They never change their meaning. Uh, language sometimes does in phrases, but not symbols. So that's the reason why you're going to see some, some symbolism. Um, and I will tell you this. Some of the stuff we're going to take on before this year is over and I don't know the level of spiritual maturity in this room, one of the main reasons we've been putting this off is most of us were not ready to have it. We couldn't do it. I needed to grow spiritually. You need to grow spiritually. This is not a book to take on if you just went to a a crusade and you went down front and you said, I gave my life to Jesus today, now will you teach me the revelation? I won't because you couldn't handle it. You couldn't understand it. I mean, I, 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 can't, I can't give you meat right out of the gate. So if you're in here and you're still on milk, you don't have much chance. You're not going to get this. I'll try to break it down to a C student from Calhoun County for you, but you're probably in over your head. Uh, so it does require a level of spiritual discernment and a level of spiritual maturity, just so you know that. And, uh, and I'll help you any way I can, but I just want you to understand what you're committing to. Uh, and another thing we're not doing, and this is that part about one of those attitudes that, that I think is, is wrong, we're not prying into God's secrets. Oh, he's going to show us some secrets. We're going to pry in you know, like a magician or something. It's, it's mysterious, and he's going he's to show us some tricks and you know, signs and wonders and, and all that. No, that, that's not what we're doing. It, it, the, the book was written to reveal and disclose the purpose of God as to the earth and the nations. It, it is to set everything straight. Here's who I am. Here's who you are. Here's the state of the earth. Here's the state of the nations. And here's what's happening. Here's what uh, uh, has, has happened, is happening, is going to happen. Okay? And so that, that's what the purpose of this revelation is. It, it, it is the last prophecy, so it's going to sum up all the previous prophecies on the church, on Israel, and the nations. And you're going to see us walk that way. We're going to start out with the church. Then we'll get into Israel, and then we'll get into the nations. That's how it's going to break down as we go, as God is, is revealing this. And, and you will understand that this Israel situation, it, it, that it's its own game. Okay? And, 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 we'll, and we'll, we'll look at that, and we'll, we'll jump into that. Uh, so um, the, uh, the beginning of the, the, the prophecies uh, will, will mainly be the state of the churches, and I'll tell you about these churches we're going to unpack too. Uh, so 
let's look at, at, at verses uh, 1, and let's go through 3 from the Revelation. So let's jump in. Everything I just told you, just, just look at that, now hear what John is being told. The revelation of Jesus Christ. Okay. You see how you can miss that? Right out of the gate. What does the Holy Word of God tell you? The revelation is of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants. Remember back to me, he says, now back to the glory, the Son and the Father. There's nothing being withheld from the Son. The things that must soon take place, I'd underline soon, he made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. Does anybody hear anything ringing out of the Gospels here? Anybody hear the, hear the Gospels? What did Jesus say about the wise man and the foolish man? Anybody who hears my words and does them is like a wise man who builds his house upon the rock, and when the storms and trouble came against it, it stood because he didn't just hear what I had to say, he actually did it. Now, the foolish man may have heard what Jesus said, but he just didn't do it. And he said, that's like building his house on sand. And when the storms came, of course, it great was its fall. So don't miss little moments like this in Scripture because you can hear this all day long and you can hear Scripture all day long, but if you don't apply Scripture and you don't do what Scripture tells us to do, it really isn't going to do you any good. And it's certainly not. You're not going to see any change. Um, I mean, I, I mean, I, I remember spending a, a huge portion of my life, 100 percent believing in Jesus and being headed straight to hell. I believed in him. You know, I've never been agnostic or an atheist. But until I, I, I went from you know, because demons believe in him, they know everything about him. James tells us that. So you believe in the Trinity? Wow! So did the demons, and they shudder at the sound of his name. You know, remember when I've told you before, as the disciples were going out, when they weren't quite sure who he was or what he was doing, the demons knew it every single time. They called him exactly who he was. We even see in, in, uh, in Acts chapter 19, these seven sons of Sceva, they go in to cast out a demon uh, from a man because they didn't like all the celebrity and the attention that Paul was getting. And they say, in the name of Jesus that Paul calls upon, come out of this man. And the demon spoke to these sons and said, Jesus, I know. Paul, I recognize. But who are you? That's By the way, you don't want that. Okay? Because what the demons recognize is you're not with Jesus. You may know his name, and you may you may you may you may believe in him, but you you're not with him, are you? You haven't been redeemed by him. You don't belong to him. When Paul tells us to go, we go because he belongs to Jesus. All you do is tote around the name of Jesus, but you don't have any power because you don't belong to Jesus. You're not one of his, so we don't know you, Paul. We recognize who are you, Jesus. By the way, we know. So if all you got is you want to hear this stuff and you even want to believe this stuff, but you're not going to repent and you're not going to leave faith in yourself and you're not going to leave your own authority and put your authority under Jesus, then you just have a demonic faith. And you've got a demonic intrigue with the revelation. It's almost like you want to know if you're in trouble or not. 
Let me just clear that up for you. If you and I aren't redeemed, you're in trouble. If you're redeemed, the revelation is to encourage you. It is to inspire you. It is to for you to press on. Now, if you're lost, this is all really bad news for you. Okay, that, that's, that's the revelation. And so listen to what, what he goes on to say. He says, Blessed is he who reads aloud the prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and, that's a big and right there, and keep it. Keep what's written in it, because what? The time is near. Yes, it's a blessing to read it. Yes, it's a blessing to hear it. These things are great. But to heed is even of more importance. And what does heed mean? To watch over, to observe attentively. Is that your? Is that the way you see Scripture? I mean, are you all in on Scripture? Or do you just kind of like hearing it and... You know, I want to hear these stories, and this—they're historic events. We we should have never allowed them to be called stories. They're historic events, and you like the way they sound, and you can quote some certain verses, and and you might even be one of those people that incorrectly, you know, puts a, you know, Philippians four thirteen on your run through sign for your team. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, which is not what that verse is about at all. That verse is about suffering, and that you can endure all things because of Christ. Uh, it is not about you grabbing the victory or you winning something or getting a trophy. It's not about that at all. But 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 the question is, do you heed Scripture? Do, 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 do you observe it attentively? Do you want to know it forward and backward? Do you want to completely be sure you're clear? Because think about it, okay? I want you to think about it. If you were at the job site and I was the, I was the, I was the foreman, are we there? We all on the job site? And I came up to you and I said, hey, I got some things you need to know. And you go, okay. I said, now, now hear me now. This machine we're working with, you need to hear this and you need to heed what it's saying because if you don't, you're going to get killed. Do I have your attention at that point? Do you go and look at the pamphlet I gave you and read it a little more attentively? Because it's life and death. I got news for you. This right here, life and death life and death. If you don't know it, you're going to die. It's life and death. And so that's what Jesus is telling us right out of the gate. And when he says the time is at hand, the time's near, uh, so many people have gone back and forth on that. Remember what's going on here. The only one of the original 12 that knew that Jesus would not return in his lifetime was Peter. Peter was told by Jesus, you're going to be martyred. You're not going to be here when, when I return. And, and Peter would even say when he wrote, wrote to us, Jesus has revealed to me I don't have long. So he knew he wasn't going to see the second coming of Jesus. Everybody else thought they would. And when you talk about the timeline, it says that everybody who has lived, other than Peter, that we've lived with, with the second coming of Christ and we don't really live, and this is where I think we make a mistake, and that's not what Scripture is saying here. We take the words that are being used here in the original Greek, and, and we take the word to mean immediate. That's not what it's saying. It's saying it's imminent. It's close. By whose standard? By God's standard. It's close. And like I said, if you die, it's, it, you, it's on. Okay? 
But this second coming for him to come get his church, it's imminent. So don't don't confuse that with immediate. And and the ages have had all kind. You think about there, and this is one of the big things that comes out of this through all of world history. And I even got corrected on this studying this because I've been one of these people that I knew this, but I didn't put the timeline together. You know, I was thinking if you were living in the time of Hitler, I mean, you were like, it's on. I mean, man, it's on. Mussolini. I mean, it, hey, it, all this, and you're, hey, it, it, all these historic events, you think, man, those ages, I, everybody thought he was coming back and they were wrong. One big difference May 14, 1948. Israel became a nation. Game changer. You talk about getting to making it closer than ever. See, the ones, all the stuff I just talked about happened before they were a nation. Well, it really wasn't as close because Israel had to become a nation. Well, on May 14th, 1948, prophecy took a whole new turn when we acknowledged Israel and gave them a sovereign nation. That's a huge fulfillment of prophecy. So now that 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 pushes us forward big time toward the return of Christ. None of that was going on on those other events that I told you that we didn't have Israel as a nation at that time. So let's read verses 4 through 6. John to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who uh, is and who was and who is to come from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings on earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. This is beautiful. Beautiful. The blessing. The book deals with judgment, and we know that's going to happen. But I want you to think for a minute and just wrap your mind around, here's a revelation of God's judgment. And what does he start with? Grace. Grace. He, he's trying to bring peace and grace to us with all the turmoil, calamity, wars, destruction that are all going to come in this study. They're all here. He starts with peace and grace. And, and, and he says the, the seven churches in Asia that he's talking about, now that does not mean the great continent of Asia uh, or even the whole of Asia Minor. But really, all he's talking about, and you'll see the churches when they're named, is a the western end uh, of, of, of Asia Minor, about the size of Pennsylvania. Now, this also doesn't mean the seven churches mean that they were only seven. It doesn't mean that either, um, because there, there were others in this region, and some that we're uh, very much aware of in the Colossians and, and all that. But, but they do represent the state of all the churches. That's important. They do represent the state of the of the churches, and also uh, will represent church history, and we'll see that actually in in chapters two and three. So notice also what's represented in four B through five A. Uh, you see the Trinity is being laid out. He 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 says uh, first of all, grace to you and peace. It's incredible that that's what he starts with from Him who who is and 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 who was and who is to come. And, of course, that's the Father, who is, who was, and is to come. He has always been. Who who should I tell them sent me? I am. What is your name? I am. I have always been. I am the beginning. I am the end. 
the father and he, he and what he's going to do is is what what he's been acknowledged by Jesus to John and here's what he wants us to know the father cuts across all ages of time man we got to get that we've got some theological arguments that are going on and if you leave this part out that's the reason why that some some of us are confused. We're trying to get the Father, we're trying to get God to answer to time. He doesn't answer to time. He's above time. He is time. He sees the beginning and the end like it's all happening at the same time. And we're going to pretend to try to figure out this with these silly man-made stuff that we argue about. Here's what you need to know about God. He he comes across all ages of time. He has always been, he always is, and he always will be. The next, of course, he talks about the Holy Spirit. He says the seven spirits who are before the throne. Now, why is he saying seven if we're talking about the Holy Spirit? Well, God loves the number seven. This is perfection. This is completion. He, he's saying that uh, the Holy Spirit is perfect. It is perfection. His, his perfection and his power, uh, it, he it is that is the executor of God's purposes. It's, it's the Holy Spirit with his perfect power that raised Jesus from the dead, and it is the Holy Spirit who hands out grace perfectly. Perfect, perfect, perfect. And that's what he is seeing. Next, of course, is the Son. To him who loves us, who, to him who is the faithful witness, to the firstborn of the dead, the ruler of the kings on earth. It was he who freed us from our sins by his blood and made us kingdom priest. So this is God the Son, and you see that he rose through this. There's three titles that John gets uh, for, for God the, the, the Son, the faithful witness. He, he came to witness to us about our sins. Witness to the name of God as Father. He's He's the one that that has witnessed to us our desperate need for righteousness. He He's He's the one who has been witnessing to us about the nearness of judgment. He's the one that's been witnessing to us about hell. Jesus Christ talks more about hell than heaven, and we've developed some form of church right now that you don't have to repent and don't talk about hell. Well, how in the world can I be excited about Jesus and what he's done for me if I've been told what he did wasn't a big deal? There was really no consequences. But Jesus talked about it all the time. Why? Because I need to deliver you from hell. You've got to be delivered. You've got to be righteous. Well, you don't have to be perfect. Yes, you do. That's why Jesus came, to make us perfect. You can't walk in the front of a holy father. You can't walk in, 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 in front of this perfection and not be fully righteous. You must repent. I must repent. He must make us righteous. And he's witnessing to us. That's why he's called the faithful witness. And he, he's telling us, here's the news of salvation. Here's, here's what sin is. Here's what that means. Here's what I did. Here's why it had to happen. And here's why you need to respond. He's a faithful witness. The next thing he is called is, of course, the firstborn of the dead. He tasted death, but he rose triumphant from the tomb. He has ascended, as I told you, back to glory. He's, he's, he's the first begotten, which means firstborn of God. 
He 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 has priority. He is sovereign. He's he's the leader, not not just is is he the leader of all nations, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. His Father gave him all authority. But here's what you got to get. The Apostle Paul says in Romans 10, 9 and 10 that we should believe in our hearts and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. So guess what else he is? He's in charge of all the redeemed. He's our authority. He is our Lord. We leave our own authority. He's the leader of all who rise from the dead through him to everlasting life. And you know what he's doing? And this is what this revelation is too. Let me tell you something. He's building his church. And let me tell you, no matter what you may hear, no matter what you may be told, no matter how bad it may look, he himself said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Scott Garoski was the first one that pointed this out to me, who's on our team at the Man Church. He said, has it ever hit you that, that, that a gate is actually a defensive piece of equipment? Jesus is saying he's going into hell, as he did, and he's going to deliver those that were bound for hell who are all redeemed. He's going to knock down the very gates of hell trying to keep him out. When people say, I just can't serve a God that sends people to hell. No, the God that I serve is delivering people from hell. If you go to hell, you'll send yourself there because you'll have to reject his redemption. And you have to crawl across the cross and jump into the pit of fire. That's the God we serve. And let me tell you something. If you're part of his church, let me give everybody a heads up who hadn't decided about whether you want to be part of the the church of Jesus or not, okay? We win. If you're not with us, you're going to die. We win. The church wins. Now, it will be purged of people who, who, who claim that they're part of it that aren't. But the church wins because of Jesus. We are told how the age will conclude because we're also told that he's the ruler of the kings of earth. He is no longer in the stable. He is no longer on the cross. He's coming back to reign in glorious pomp and power And listen to what he says here. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. He says that when when, when he reveals to John who he is, he says what he's been saying since since he stepped on this earth, He goes back to it again. He says, either repent and worship me or die. I'm going to be left and you can be left with me, but you must repent and you must worship me or you must die. There is no in-between. The grace that accrues to us, a grace that endures to him who loved us, I think about him offering protection from the wrath of God and offering protection from us dying with all who oppose Jesus. I remember my grandmother was the first person to tell me about this, but I saw it again in one of the commentaries, I think, from John Phillips. And and he was talking about this uh, this missionary that was from um, Africa that was talking about going where 
they had come in and they had attacked the church and they had burned and they'd been one of these fires and everything had burned and 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 he came in and he said when I walked in I saw a dead hen of some sort it was some sort of African bird but we would say a chicken and it was laying there and the carcass was burned and he said I went to kick it out of my way and when I did live baby chicks began to run everywhere and that mother hen had taken her wings and had wrapped them over her offspring and put them under her wings and as the fire consumed her they were protected and he said I, I thought about the revelation I thought about Matthew uh, uh, 23 37 when Jesus is crying over Jerusalem and he's crying over his people and he says you, you have you have rejected you've stoned those that my father sent you you've killed the prophets you have rejected me, and oh, I had longed to gather you together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. And so you've chosen destruction, and he's crying over it, which also sounds an awful lot like a choice. So the rejoicing that is going on here is rejoicing from those that have been freed from sin. His blood freed us from sins. By, by his blood, we shout unto him who washed us. Grace that elevates he who makes us kingdom priest to his God and Father. He has given us power with men and also power that comes from God. Power and glory that belongs to him is going to be imparted to us that have been redeemed. It's going to be personal. It's going to be positional, meaning we will we will know where we stand under his authority, and it will be perpetual. It will be forever. To him be glory and dominion forever. The days coming when all of mankind will acknowledge him for who he is. It will be his glory that outshines the sun. Look what happens next. He says, verse 7, Behold, he is coming with clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, you know what John says? Amen. Let it be. Now I want you to think about that. What's also in here is repent, worship, or die. Those who reject him, when they see him coming on the clothed in the clouds, they will begin to wail. See, that's the question you have to ask yourself, and I have to ask myself. If he was coming on the clouds right now, would I be jumping up and down celebrating glory, glory, glory be to God? All this garbage we have to go through is finally over. My flesh is finally defeated. All of the calamity of this world and its fallen state is over. Here comes perfection. Or will you look up and go, uh-oh, uh-oh. The church age in the age of grace is being turned off like a faucet, and now comes judgment. Because he, and this is the thing, and and I'm what I'm going to say next is going to bother some of you, but over time you'll understand it because it bothered me the first time that I realized it. When John is 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 hearing this from Jesus, and Jesus is saying, "Behold, I'm coming. He's coming on the clouds. Every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will wail." 
They will mourn. Even so, amen. I've had people tell me, if judgment comes and there's people that I know and people that I love that are not with him, they, they reject him. H- how can I not be bothered by that? I'll tell you why. Because once we are like him, and once we see him in his full glory, and once our flesh is dead, we will be so enamored by his glory, and we will be so in sync with his glory, we will oppose anyone who opposes him. See, right now we worship people. We don't worship him. But when we're worshiping him, we can't believe that anybody would oppose him. And if they do, we say, amen. I'm wiping out those who oppose us. You know what we'll say? Let it be. We're so with you that we too hate all who oppose you. No matter who they are. Our idolatry will be over. The day's coming. And it will not be one of those things where somebody says, hey, I, there's some guy out in the wilderness. He, told, he warned us about that. Hey, some guy claims he's Jesus. If he's not clothed in the clouds and everybody doesn't see him, then I'd leave that alone. There'll be no question. This is no more, oh, there was some baby in a manger. I'm not sure about it. There won't be any of that. Some guy went to the cross and he was up there saying all kinds of stuff. I don't know. It won't be any of that. This is going to be a one time that's him and everybody's going to agree. I don't the, the biggest jerk you've ever met that laughs and scoffs at your at, at our belief in Christ, that person will cry out that's him. They'll all know. And we'll all know. It will be an incredible event. And let me tell you what's great when you watch this and you see what's happening He will return with splendor. He has the glory that he had before the world began. He will have dominion over everything that was given to Adam and that was taken by Satan, and he will once again say it's in the proper hands. I'm here to kill Satan once and for all. And he took it from mankind. We gave this, my father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, we gave this to human beings. We gave it to Adam, and he got beat out of it by Satan, and Satan took it and justifiably took it, and I'm here to get it back, and I'm going to return it to where it's supposed to be. What a day. The consummation of the age is in verse 7 and 8. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. And here it comes in verse 8, and this is where we'll close today. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God. He who is, and he who was, and he who is to come, the Almighty. So the eventual triumph of Jesus, it will be visible, as we just talked about. God, you remember if you look through Scripture, God clothed himself, clothed himself in clouds when he, t- he led Israel out of Egypt. He clothed himself in clouds. Remember that? And, and then you know, when Israel pitched uh, um, the, the tabernacle in the wilderness, remember that? And once again, God clothed himself 
and clouds. So when he comes back to destroy evil once and for all, he will again be clothed in clouds. That's why it's significant. Every eye is going to see him. It, it, it won't just be visible. It will be victorious. And those who wage war against him or did not believe will wail. They will mourn. And, uh, and, and it's, as John says, let it be as you have said. And then you look at, uh, at, at verse 8, the everlasting triumph of Jesus. I am omniscient. Uh, he can't, he cannot be deceived. He cannot be disputed. He cannot be discredited. Uh, he he cannot be. Uh, his knowledge is infallible. No one is saying I'm right and Jesus is wrong. I'm omniscient. My knowledge is pure, and what I say is truth. And if you oppose me, you oppose truth. I'm omniscient. The next thing we hear is what? I'm omnipotent. I, I always have been, always will be. I'm always present in time and space. He is with us as he told us what? Always. And that's one of the things that I can't believe about me. I claim that I believe that the God that I serve and that redeemed me is omnipresent. I believe that he's omniscient. I believe he's omnipresent. But then I go off in parts of my life and live like he can't see me. So do I really believe it? I will say there are times in my life at this stage of my spiritual growth where I'm about to say something, do something, maybe watch something, and this is what turns me away from it. So I guess I'll watch this with Jesus. Oh, so Jesus is in the room. Yeah, I'm I'm omnipresent. Well, how would I expose you to this? Even if I don't care, what, where, what kind of blasphemy is this about to be? I remember we we try to do that here at work, and we had somebody that was going off and had been to a concert. It was one of these artists that was, you know, oh well, it don't really bother me. You know, it's just entertainment. And uh, and the person came back, and of course the concert was filthy. And and we said, uh, how was the concert? Well, you know, there's some things in there, you know. And then we said, well, how did Jesus like the concert? To which the reply was, he didn't like it. He didn't enjoy it. But he sure was there. And and so, and then he says, I'm omnipotent. He said, I'm able to do anything. I am all power. I am almighty. Uh, And the Lord which is, which was, and which is to come, the almighty, it has been used to describe the Father, but now the Son. How about that? That shows that the Father and the Son are one. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. They are one, though still three persons. Almighty occurs ten times in the New Testament, and nine of those are in the Revelation. I'm going to say that again. Almighty appears ten times in the New Testament, nine times in the Revelation. You see what he's, the point he's trying to make with the Revelation? I'm it. I'm all-powerful. I'm not a hippie. I'm almighty God. And we'll see that. This is what we're going to see in the apocalypse. Failure everywhere. I'm going to go ahead and prepare you for this, and you're going to see this as we go through the Revelation. We're even going to see failure in the church. Not from the remnant. Not from the remnant. um, Because the church is going to be a lot less effective, and it's going to crash and burn when the remnant's taken out. When the real folks are taken out, the church is not going to be very well. It's not going to fare very well. 
So when the remnant is gone, the church will fail. Uh, we will see that it will become completely apostate. By the way, you can, you can see some inklings of that now. Uh, we will also see the nations will fail. They'll fall to the beast. Um, Israel will fail. But guess who never fails throughout the whole thing? God. He never fails. He's almighty. He never fails. His triumph will be event will be eventual, but it will be, and it will be everlasting. It 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 may not be yet, but it will be. And it will be everlasting. Which goes back to the line that we need to take with us today for our first installment. We need to go all the way back up to the top. And this is why in verse 3, when he said, Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. Everybody in this room, everybody watching on this video, everybody listening to this audio archive, every single person is going to face God, either because of your earthly death or you'll be here when he comes clothed in the clouds. And what the revelation is telling us about these two things, listen to what I say. Worship me. Repent of your sins. Because I am almighty. And I will destroy all evil that is in this earth. So make sure you're not evil. Make sure that you're fully righteous. And the only way we can be made fully righteous is to repent of our sin, turn a 180 from our sins, and turn to Jesus and leave faith in ourselves, and put our faith in Jesus. Leave our authority and submit to his authority and say, redeem me, forgive me, reconcile me to God. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for um, the revelation and for loving us enough to warn us, but also loving us enough to remind us of the great victory that is coming. On those days when we think this fallen creation, I just can't go another day, you continue to remind us it won't always be this way. I have overcome. In this world, you will face tribulation, but I have overcome all tribulation. I've overcome the world. So be at peace and remember my grace. Lord, I pray if anybody in this room or anyone watching or listening that doesn't sense that they've been redeemed, if you were to come clothed in the clouds right now or they were to die, they're not quite certain of what would happen that today's the day that they prepare for your return and prepare for their earthly death by dying to themselves, repenting of their sin, and calling on you to redeem them. And thank you for the grace, Lord, that you've shown us. May we never abuse it. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for being with us.